Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Paul bringing that common denominator, man, the same spirits working with, within both of us. We're going to be raised from the dead. You're going to be raised. I'm going to be raised. We're going to be raised together. It's going to be the same deal for all of us. There's no such thing, church. There is no such thing as a super saint. I don't care who you think you are. There's no such thing as a super saint. God does do supernatural and powerful work, though, through different individuals. The Apostle Paul's life and ministry are hard to fathom. Can anyone imagine surviving imprisonments, shipwrecks, snake bites, beatings, hunger, and more? How can one go through this and not lose their mind? Pastor David reveals how Paul could survive these incredible natural circumstances. It was only because of the supernatural work in him. Due to the work of God in him, Paul had an eternal perspective that fueled his endurance, and God's Spirit is shared by all believers. Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message entitled, Eternal Perspective. Paul gives even a, even a greater understanding, a little bit clearer picture of what his life as, as a minister, as a, as a missionary entailed. Now, this, this is the great apostle Paul. This is the guy who's doing everything he can to walk in obedience, to be found faithful at, at the end of his days, to be able to receive those words as he comes up to the Lord. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your father's rest. This is the apostle Paul. So you think if anybody's got it together... Paul's probably got it together pretty good, and he's probably being obedient to what God has called him to do. So let's look at this life of ease that because he's obedient, God is blessing his every walk. Turn over a couple of pages to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to look at this real quick, and I'm going to try not to comment on it just because of the time we'll get into this when we get into chapter 11. But listen to what Paul says about his ministry. This is a guy that's doing it right. Understand that. This is a guy that's doing it right. And listen, verse 22 of chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. He says, are they all Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelites? Well, so am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? Well, so am I. Are they ministers of Christ? Man, I'm speaking like a fool. I am even more so a minister of Christ. In labor is more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. Why, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one because it was against the law for them to give 40 stripes. So they counted it. We gave you 40 minus one. We gave you 39 stripes. 
Verse 25 says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness, Besides these other things, what, what comes upon me daily? I have this deep concern for all the churches. He says in verse 32, I, I remember when I was in Damascus and the governor under Aratus, the king, who was guarding the city of the Damascus with a garrison. They desired to arrest me. I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from their hands. This is the great apostle Paul. And he's been shuttled out like a common thief out the back way, down a basket in the dead of night. And we move on into chapter 12. He goes on. It's doubtless it's not, not profitable for me to boast. So let me come to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, rather in the body, I don't know, or rather out of the body, I don't know, but God knows. Such a one was caught up in the third heaven. Now, he's getting ready to speak this, but the humility of Paul He doesn't want to say, hey, I want to tell you something. I've been to heaven. I had this vision. He he says this in such a humble way, man. He says, man, I I know a guy that this happened to. I know of such a man. Verse verse 4, he goes on to say that he was caught up in paradise and he heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one, I will not boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. He says, so don't put me on a pedestal. Don't, don't think of me, you know, as some super apostle here. Just listen to what I've gone through. And lest I should be exalted, verse 7, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, the thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure. I think that Paul might have had to deal with humility. I don't think there's a human alive that at some times, you know, our pride doesn't get in the way sometime. So even in this, man, wow, the Lord has given me all these revelations. I've been taken up into paradise. I heard words. I, I, I can't even tell you. I'm not allowed to say all the things I've said, but it's not me. I want to tell you, it's not me. And to show you again, it's not me, man. The Lord gave me a thorn in the flesh. So, you know, if I was something special, I wouldn't have that thorn in the flesh, but I'm human. I'm I'm flesh and blood, just like the rest of you is what he's saying. He says, uh, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would depart from me. As I've shared with you guys on multiple occasions, I believe, I don't think it was one afternoon Paul prayed three times. I, I, th- I think it was over a process and a period of time that Paul went into times because that thorn in the flesh, whether it be the, the, the near blindness that he had or whatever the issue was, man, he just begged and pleaded, probably fasted and sought after the Lord for it and, and, and got no answer. And some season down the line, he begins praying and fasting and seeking the Lord and got no answer. And a third time he comes and, Lord, please remove this thing from me. And then finally the word of the Lord says, you know what, I'm not going to remove it. You're going to have to live with it. But understand this. In your weakness, 
my strength is going to be revealed. I'm going to be your strength. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul says, therefore, most gladly, I'd rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Just another typical week in the life of Paul. A chipped, cracked clay vessel who had this wonderful treasure who continued to reveal it to the world around him. Paul did not make much of those things. Again, when you, when you understand why he's writing 2 Corinthians, he's writing it because, man, they were, they were continually, you know, well, you're not really an apostle. Why do we need to listen to you? And, you know, you're, you're, you're nothing anyway. We've got some new teachers over here. They're teaching us some new things. We've got some new ways of doing things. So Paul, again, is coming both in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, having to come in and, and, and declare, again, his, his authority and his place. He's not doing it to boast. He's doing it because there's so many attacks that are coming on him. And Paul says, man, you cannot believe all that I've gone through, all that my physical body has gone through. But I, I like what A.W. Tozer says. A.W. Tozer says that it's doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. I doubt that God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply, that God would hurt the man deeply. Why? Because that suddenly makes me not dependent on my own flesh. I can't do it on my own. I, I think I can. I think I can like the little train. And God says, no, you can't. And puts me back at the bottom of the hill. In order that he becomes all in all. And I don't become self-sufficient. In order that he becomes the focus of my life rather than my abilities and seeking the accolades and the praises of man that Christ would become all in all. And that's what Paul's desire was in his life, that Christ would become all in all. The apostle knew what it was to live a life of absolute surrender. And yet even with all that, he had all the things that had taken place in his life, both the good and the bad, the blessings and the stresses, the victories and the times of doubt, Paul never placed himself on a pedestal and neither would he allow others. He says in verse 13, since we have what, church? The same spirit of faith. We have the same spirit of faith according to what is written. He says, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Paul bringing that common denominator. Man, the same Spirit's working with, within both of us. We're going to be raised from the dead. You're going to be raised. I'm going to be raised. We're going to be raised together. It's going to be the same deal for all of us. There's no such thing, church. There is no such thing as a super saint. I don't care who you think you are. There's no such thing as a super saint. God does do supernatural and powerful work, though through different individuals. And you look at the ministries of, of some that have gone through the ages, you say, wow, God used him powerfully. 
Not that he was something mighty or she was something magnificent. No, but God used them in a powerful way. Paul was waiting for that prize. Not the one that was given by the accolades and the praises of man, but that one, as I said before, well done, good and faithful servant. He spoke and he ministered to the church. Why? Because it was the right thing to do, because it was the thing that God had called him to do. His life had been laid out on the altar of sacrifice long ago. And if God was able to use him for the glory of his kingdom, then Paul was happy to be sacrificed for that glory. You know what? If I consider myself dead, then death brings no fear. If I'm sold out 100% to the Lord Jesus Christ, then none of these other things move me, even as Paul declared. He wanted the church to know all of these things that he'd gone through were for the furtherance of the gospel and for the blessing of the church. Still in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 15, he says, For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, here it is again, we don't lose heart. We don't give up. We're not quitting. It's hard. It's tough. It's difficult. There's a lot of struggles, but we don't lose hope. He says, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our, catch this, our light affliction. Wait a minute, Paul. Did you read what you're going to write in chapter 11 yet? That's light affliction? For this light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal. That's the perspective that he has, that eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Therefore, we do not lose heart. He doesn't give up. We look at our lives, we look at different ministries that God has called us to. Sometimes those ministries change depending upon the seasons of our lives. What you might have been doing 10, 15, 20 years ago may be different than what you're doing now, and what you're going to be doing 3, 4, 5, 10 years from now may be different than what you're doing now. Seasons change, ministries change. Sometimes ministries will cost us everything everything that we hold dear on this earth in the preparation for the joy that we'll receive in the world that's yet to come. How surrendered to the Lord are you? If he came and said, I want everything, are you at a situation in your perspective? She said, I don't have any of it anyway. It's all yours. Nearly all the time, For the ministry to be fully effective, it needs to be on what it needs to be beyond what any individual can do or even dream. Why? Because it's God's plan. I don't have the mind of God. God has a plan and God has a purpose. That's where I want to be found. Sometimes, man, that takes me walking in places I have no clue where it's going. That causes me to, to, to trust in something that in the flesh I'd, I'd, be, I'd be scared to death. 
But he's saying, trust me in this. It needs to be a self-surrendered, supernatural work of Almighty God if it's truly going to impact this present world for the next world. You see, there's a lot of good people in the world. They're not perfect. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm just talking about good people that are doing good things, righteous things. And there's doctors that that are finding cures for all kinds of diseases. There's great surgeons that are able to do almost miraculously with their own hands working. But you know what? None of those things, none of those things, no matter how good they are, impact the next world. Well, they can impact ours. But let me ask you, how much longer is this world going to be here? How much longer? And we don't have a clue. You know, if it's going to be 10 years, 20 years, 200 years, we don't have a clue. But I do know one thing. Eternity lasts a long time and even longer than that. I wonder if you and I, if we have the chance to ask the Apostle Paul right after his conversion, right, right after he'd been knocked off his high horse there on the road to Damascus. If we had the opportunity to ask him if he understood all that he was going to go through for the sake of the gospel. Remember, the Lord Jesus told Ananias, go to Damascus, you're going to find the guy there. He's, he's blind. You, you need to minister to him. You need to let him know all the things he's going to suffer you know, in my, in my, for my name's sake. But I wonder if even after that conversation, Paul really, really understood. I wonder how aware he was of the complete sacrifice that was necessary. I wonder if he would have been aware of the amazing results that were yet to come. Here, here's a guy, he thought he was doing God a favor by trying to lock up or knock off the, uh, the, the Jewish Christians in, the, in, in that small area of Judea. And yet, once he became a believer, God sent him almost all around the, the known world of that time. Much greater influence. I wonder if he could have imagined the number of people who had at one time stood with him, ministering side by side with him, which had now abandoned him. And some of those very ones that he ministered with, they even abandoned the faith, having loved this present world more. See, there's no way Paul could have understood that at the time of his conversion. It's something that he had to work through. It's things like this that you and I, we can't get a, get a grasp of tomorrow. We don't even understand today. We forget yesterday. We, we can't grasp tomorrow. So the only hope that we can have is to have the right perspective today to lead us into tomorrow. I wonder if in his wildest dreams, He would have considered pouring his heart, his soul, his strength, and his resources into a Gentile group of people. This is is Paul the Pharisee, okay? To pour all that into them, only to have them question him, accuse him, and attack his motives. See, you and I, we don't know what our Christian walk is going to be tomorrow. We don't know the situations we're going to run into tomorrow. We don't don't know the the, the physical altercations we might have. We don't know the physical weaknesses or illnesses we might run into. We don't know the, the financial cost of following Christ. We don't know anything of what following Christ is going to cost us tomorrow. We don't. Oh, we can speculate a lot, but we really don't. So the only thing we can do 
is have the right perspective today. And that perspective, beloved, is an eternal perspective. Knowing that it's, it's, it's not 24 hours that I need to be worried about. It's eternity that I need to be worried about. And in considering eternity, now that should then begin to plot my course for the next two hours, 12 hours, 24 hours, next weeks, the next months, considering eternity. I don't think Paul could have even begun to imagine any of those things, yet he was willing to be a bondservant to that church for Jesus' sake in order that grace, having spread through the many, might cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Your Christian testimony tomorrow might impact somebody for all of eternity. Consider that. Consider the importance of that. That the people that you run into tomorrow or next week, the ones that you speak with maybe on a regular basis, tomorrow might be that day that their heart is open to hear the truth of the gospel. Do you have an eternal perspective? Or do you have a 24-hour perspective? Because Paul had such a powerful eternal perspective, he could look at his present and sometimes daily sufferings Consider them all as, they're just temporary. That's just, just, just light affliction. Man, Lord, help me to get that way. Help me to get that way. Because Paul wasn't blinded by the God of this age, either through Satan or the glitz and the glamour of this world or the false teaching of, of man's wisdom, he was able to have that eternal perspective, able to behold the things which are not seen. Paul says, man, I I can understand beyond the the natural. I can understand the work of the supernatural in the world around me. I'm not saying that he could look behind that curtain. I I used to pray, Lord, help me to see behind that veil, that curtain that, that surrounds us in this temporary, and help me see behind that curtain into the eternal, just to see what's going on right now among us, right around us. And the Lord never answered that prayer, and I finally came to the understanding it's probably a good thing because it would have probably scared me to death to see all the battles that are going on as the enemy rages against each one of you. Why? Because you dare name the name of Christ. But you see, Paul knew that that was going on, and yet he was willing to continue on. He, he knew that was going on in the, in the, in the, in the supernatural because he was feeling it almost on a daily basis in the natural, as attack after attack after attack was coming against him. But he said, man, that's light afflictions. I'm not worried about that. I've got my eyes on the prize. Because Paul had died to his own life, as he says, that the life of Jesus would be manifested in his body, he knew the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul lived with an eternal perspective that allowed him to be used mightily in this temporary place. A cracked, chipped clay vessel used for the glory and the praise and the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask you tonight, what's your perspective
thank you for listening to today's message from The Open Word. We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 2 Corinthians have touched your life and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us next time on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, or shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take The Open Word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound, Bible-based teachings with you anytime, anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at TheOpenWord.com, be sure to click on About for more information about the ministry of The Open Word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is TheOpenWord.com. That's all the time we have for here today on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 2 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you have a blessed day.